Welcome to The Drift, a Starfinder podcast, presented by NerdsOnEarth.com. This week, we'll take a look at the races and classes that are going to be a part of the Starfinder game at its August launch. All right, today on The Drift, we are joined by Earth Nerd Atkins. You can find him on Twitter there. And he's one of the writers and founders of the site, Nerds on Earth, which sponsors The Drift. And today, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, two key components of the Starfinder uh, game. Uh, the idea of races and the different ones that are playable in the game, and the idea of classes. But to start off, let's talk a little bit, uh, Atkins. Talk some about your experience with tabletop gaming, like how, how long have you been involved, what uh, what do you like about it, and I know you are involved both as a player and as a DM, so uh, give me a little of uh, your history with games. Well, I have forever, for as long as I can recall, been uh, referred to as a nerd, and for a very, very long time, the there was a hard line in the sand where... I was like, yes, I'm a nerd in all of these ways, except I don't play D&D, which makes me, you know, not as nerdy as that, uh, you know, that particular stigma, you know, might go. Um, You were among the folks trying to drag me into that years and years ago. And I was like, there's no way I'm not going to ever be that nerdy. Um, But then eventually uh, I had a a friend here uh, where I live in Macon, Georgia, offer to DM for me and a a handful of my college roommates. Uh, We decided to give it a try. We liked it. Um, That that guy, his name is Erskine James. He DM'd my first ever uh, Dungeons & Dragons campaign. We tried uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen. I played uh, a rogue. I actually wrote up uh, Viag, my halfling rogue for Nerds on Earth. Uh, Lasted three sessions, TPK. And then we kind of got to this point where I kind of felt bad that Erskine might have been the only person capable of being a DM or a GM. So I was like, well, how hard could it be? I'll give it a try. He gave me Curse of Strahd uh, and the rest is history. I've been uh, DMing now Curse of Strahd for three different groups all over the state. Um, I'm a player in a couple uh, custom campaigns right now and uh, neck deep in it as often as I can be, uh, with an eye on, uh, trying to find a Pathfinder society somewhere local. Um, but it is, it is quickly in the last year and a half, two years become one of my larger nerdy pursuits. Yeah, I think definitely, uh, I think pretty much all of us on the site, it has, um, it's become something that's become more important to us over the last few years in different ways. Um, when you think about uh, Starfinder in particular, uh, what intrigues you about it? As it's this game that is not yet um, released, it's going to come out in August. What about it really sort of um, intrigues your interest? Well, I think it's a it's this really unique um, and intriguing and, and tantalizing combination of a couple of different nerdy realms that in my head had never really crossed, or at least in my own experience. I mean, they're, they're very, I'll be honest, my tabletop RPG experience is still fairly limited. Um, so f- in my own experience, fantasy RPG and, uh, you know, star travel and aliens were two separate things. And, and so to bring those two things and 
And I love tremendously many things in both of those arenas. And to bring both of those kind of genres together uh, is exciting. And I don't just like toss that word around. Like we have been anxious for this for a long time. I mean, Earth Nerd Clave has been over and over again saying that Starfinder is already his favorite RPG ever and it hasn't even released. Uh, and I think that that's part of it is it, it marries two things that we already love and how could that baby not be amazing? Um, so I, I think that that is, I mean, I don't need much more than that. You know, like I already trust the, po- sure. the folks at Paizo, believe that they're going to do a good job with it. They are starting from a place uh, that I am, I am on board just on uh, foundation and premise alone, practically. Yeah, and I think that that's an interesting thing to think about, right? Because um, the idea of a, a space fantasy role playing game is not new. Their most, their the attempts that have been made in the past have almost always been tied to some kind of intellectual property, and I think this is the first one that intrigues people as it has a realistic chance to become. A pretty significant, substantial game that's not tied to, like, you know, the Firefly universe or the Star Wars universe or the Star Trek. It, it has its chance to be its own thing. And and obviously, Paizo and its history with Pathfinder gives you a lot of hope. And, um, and they're doing some things right from the start that I think are going to be huge. Like you, you mentioned Pathfinder Society. Uh, they're, you know, they're going to launch Starfinder Society at the get-go and try to create you know, games and, and opportunities. So I think it's a, a really interesting thing. No, they have slowly over the, uh, the course of the last probably year have been slowly telling us more and more about uh, what's going to be in Starfinder. And um, recently sort of finished the announcement in terms of uh, what races are available to be played in the uh, game and what classes are available to be played. And so first, let's kind of take a step back and talk about races and classes in terms of in a, in a role-playing game in general. So that idea has existed for a long time. Dungeons and Dragons from the get-go. You know, you, you could be a human, you could be a dwarf, you could be an elf. Um, and, and I think it's an important part of role-playing games because it helps us be something different. Um, in my Adventure League on Wednesday nights, we have a guy who is always basically going to play the most vanilla human fighter character ever. So exciting. Yeah, I'll give him credit. He recently did expand a little bit um, and played a monk that was a human, of course. (laughs) Does he just uh, want that plus one to all stat? I mean, like, is that, that's basically the human is you get plus one to everything. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, here's this opportunity that you can go and be and do anything and instead, He's he's sticking with what he knows, I guess, <laughs> which is fine, right? But part of uh, the, what's awesome about role playing games is you can be something different, and so that idea of being able to play a different race, you know, to think about like in D anD D terms, you're an elf that's hundreds of years old, you know, you're a dwarf who's lived underground for maybe centuries, and I I think that's an intriguing thing that's out there, and it's kind of a, a core part of role-playing games is you get to be something different. And so I think it's really interesting to think about what are some of the options that they're giving you at the get-go from Starfinder uh, in terms of 
of races. So let's talk a little bit about those. So we know that they are, they've sort of said that there will be a system and a dynamic that you can use what they call the core races of Pathfinder, meaning human, dwarf, elf, gnome, halfling, half-elf, and a half-orc. And then on top of that, they've added some others. So talk a little bit about some of the, the other races that you see, like what, what intrigues you about them and why maybe they make sense in a more science fantasy world. Well, I think, you know, there are some obvious drawings um, or, or I guess uh, origins of a lot of these races that only make sense in a future science space oriented thing. I mean, most of them are aliens. Uh, the only other one, uh, the Android being, you know, obviously AI. I mean, that, that's, that already places this way off in the future, especially compared to, uh, the timeline of Galarian itself and the technology and stuff that exists in that world where like guns are the newest and coolest thing. Um, mm. that there's a big leap there. And I think that they talk about the, the, uh, implied or even they might even be explicit about it passage of time between uh, the, where Pathfinder is set and where Starfinder takes place. Yeah, they're, they're doing an interesting thing there. They're calling it the gap almost to the point that they've trademarked it, I, I think. And it, they on purpose are saying something has happened and it's been a, a certain amount of time, but nobody really knows what. And I, which I think is really smart because it lets them, play around the edges in the story. And I, and I think based on um, the interview we did with Rob McCreary, uh, I think that that gap slowly will be filled in across Adventure Pass, that there will be part of Adventure Pass will be learning a little bit more about what happened. And so I, I think it's going to be a really interesting dynamic in terms of the story of the Starfinder world, for sure. Yeah, and, and so you've got... Um, I mean, outside of uh, human and, and the other, uh, you know, base Pathfinder races, if that's what you want to call them, uh, you've got the Yasoki, which are rat folk, and that's somewhat similar, you know, familiar because uh, it's a playable race in Pathfinder as well. Um, but past that, like I said, you've got the Android, um, which they're, they're doing some pretty neat things with that. They did a write-up, uh, very brief. I mean, they haven't released a whole bunch of stuff on the uh, the the racial characteristics and, uh, you know, feats that might be specific to them or anything like that yet. But, um, on their blog, they talked about how they, they, they explicitly mentioned that the, the androids, uh, they kind of find, uh, this, the idea of gender as kind of a, uh, a mark or, or some terminology that is wholly, placed upon them by their former, uh, you know, masters by the human race. So they reject gender, um, which I think is a pretty neat thing for them to do because of, you know, we, we've got folks that don't feel that, uh, that don't feel like they fit in that binary male, female thing. And now they've got a playable race where that is, it's not just something that you could do with any of the races, which you can across any, role-playing game, but this one's as written. It's, I am neither male nor female, which I think is a pretty cool thing. Um, they've also got, I mean, the rest of them uh, that they've released, you've got uh, the Lashunta, the Vesk, the the Shirin, and the Kasatha, um, all of which we can talk about in a little bit more detail, but all of them are alien races. Um, so again, that's something that you know, is so far 
outside of the norm for D&D or Pathfinder. And I think it opens up um, a lot of a lot of possibility, a lot more variety than we're accustomed to. Instead of just going from one system to another and playing a dwarf in D&D that's uh, uh, super similar, if not exactly similar to what it may be in Pathfinder, you have something wholly new to, to run around uh, galaxies with. And I think that that's a cool novelty that Starfinder has just built in right, right from the beginning. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think you can see when what they're doing with these races is, is, um, is allowing the things that are familiar to stick around, but also adding in some new things. And I think that that really, um, really pops. So like, for example, the, uh, the Sheeran are sort of this insectoid like people that, um, when you read the backstory, they've sort of talked about, it's really interesting that they sort of were at one point part of like, a hive mind altogether, and then some of them began to split off from it and become their own thing. And I think that's a really interesting thing to sort of dive into in a role-playing context, right? What does that mean for your character that maybe you were at some point deeply invested in a, a system that, you know, was about the whole communal good and now, you know, are you an independent, you know, you're, you're separate. I, I think there's some interesting things there. Oh yeah. I, I want to um, talk about the Sheeran for just a second. I mean, that, that idea that they fleshed out, I think is super intriguing from a role play um, potential or, or, or position, especially because the way that they phrased it in the little blurb about them was that they, they perceive individualism almost as a drug and they chase it like a high. I mean, how does that work in a, in a, a party system, you know, where you're supposed to be working together. And then you've got this one guy who's like, you know, you guys want to do this, but I don't. And I'm going to chase my high over uh, the consensus or whatever it may be. Um, that that's a really neat mechanic kind of built into um, that race, that that um, choice is, uh, is like a drug to them. I thought that that was a pretty neat thing that they pulled with that particular background. Um, and it also made me think of mutants, like it's in like X-Men and Marvel. I mean, the, the way that they uh, have phrased it in, again, in their little description uh, on, on the blog is that there was a mutation uh, and that mutation has become the Sheeran. They, like you said, they were, they were part of this hive mind consciousness kind of thing. And there was a mutation that took place. So, are these, you know, obviously they're going to be, they're not just going to, you know, be chummy buddies with uh, members of their their race, so to speak, that are still part of that hive mind. I mean, they, they are truly mutants. Um, and I, I wonder if, if there will be moments in some of the stories that the, the modules and, and the adventure paths will tell that will kind of play them uh, against or next to that hive mind mentality, that existing. It's not like that hive mind doesn't exist anymore, right? At least I didn't, um, I don't think I read that. No, yeah, I, I think they've been intentionally vague with it. I, I, I think first to your point of like the, the idea that they're always going to choose individuality, um, individualism, I think is huge. Like it, it means from the get-go, you you could make the choice of your character's always, if you're playing a, a Sheeran, your character's always going to run after rebellion, and, uh, and that that makes for some really interesting things. And I, and I do think there's some interesting stuff to, in terms of story to be done 
of what if that hive mind decides it wants to reclaim these rebels that have broken off? Yeah. You know, what, how does that show up? I mean, I, I could, I could see a complete adventure path, you know, kind of being laid out in terms of, you know, that fight, that struggle of, you know, how do you remain independent when this thing that wants you back is out there? I, I think that's a, a really interesting idea. Yeah. And two, I mean, even if they aren't, I, I think that you could read it, not that they're just, obnoxiously rebellious so much as they are in any given situation, they are going to want to do what they want to do. And sometimes that's going to be what the party wants to do. But then what do you do in those moments where it isn't? I mean, as, as the person playing the Sheeran, uh, how do you, how do you work that in? I mean, you know, if the party says, all right, we all want to go right. And you as a Sheeran are playing your character and you want to go left. I mean, you're, you're basically working against withdrawal symptoms almost. I mean, because of the way that this, uh, they phrased it, that you've got this overwhelming desire to go your way, do what you want to do. I mean, that, I think that that could make some for, for some pretty interesting party dynamics. Well, yeah. And, and I mean, think about it in terms of this way. If you're, you're the game master, you, you constantly have a character who is, ready, willing, and able to help you split the party. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just consistently. No, no, I'm going to go do this, you know. Um, either either that character is going to have to be really good at convincing and player of other people to go along with what they want to do, or, yeah, they may be better have lots of backup characters ready to go. No kidding. But, uh, but it is, right? It, and, and it's a great example of they've thoughtfully dropped a little nugget into this this new race that I think just opens a world in terms of role playing. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, I think too, I mean, we're talking about things inherent to some of the races that might be pretty neat. Um, we're already familiar with kind of racial traits. Um, I mean, you know, dark vision, things like poison resistance, or whatever in, in some of the races that we're already familiar with and, and can play in Starfinder. I'm curious to see what some of the alien races' uh, racial traits are going to be. I mean, in particular, uh, the Lashunta. I mean, one of the only things we know about them really is that they're telepathic. How, how, or is it even going to be a a mechanic for somebody who chooses to play? As a Lashunta, I mean, what, how does that work as a uh, as a racial trait? Um, I'm really curious to see how, uh, you know, like for the Kasatha, it makes sense. Like forearms, there's, you know, they're probably going to be able to dual wield without taking a feet or whatever. You know, that something like that would make sense. But how do you work the telepathy in? I'm really curious to see how that works, how racial traits work across some of these more alien races that we're unfamiliar with. Right. Yeah. And like you've said, we, we know telepath, but then, you know, is it, is it simply a communication tool or is it weaponized? Is it, you know, or how does that going to play out? I think is really interesting to kind of see and think about. Um, I think too, like one of the things that's going to be true is like, how does the, how will the system for Starfinder work in terms of leveling up? Because you have some characters uh, and classes that are going to be very tied into, um, I mean, it's almost the idea of you upgrade a hard drive, right? Think about, um, think about the androids. I mean, really, everything could potentially be out there for them, you know, as a, as an upgrade. And how will that work? I, I think that's going to make some really interesting gameplay for sure. 
Yeah, very true. I mean, I, and I think that there are some really neat um, weapon systems that are going to be brought in on Starfinder. Uh, I mean, weapons that become not just something that you use, but become essentially a part of who you are, like a part of your body as a system. I mean, there certainly seems like that might be something that might uh, might be true for mechanics, um, but also, you know, in, in terms of like implanted AI um, and uh, kind of buffs or whatever for them. Same thing with the uh, with the Android. I mean, that these things become incorporated into their bodies. Uh, and think that that's going to be a really neat thing to see and experiment with as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and so like, I'm sure just like Pathfinder down the road, there are going to be more and more races and sort of other parts that'll be added in. So it'll be interesting to see when you get to the place where you almost have, um, bionic people right what, what's going to be the cross between an android and another race or android and a human you know what does that allow so i, I think it's going to be uh it's going to be curious to see especially knowing that they're they've been pretty clear that their hope for this is not going to be so much as um dropping new major books as it will be in the back of every adventure path there's going to be more pieces that they show and release yeah, I mean, especially how could they not do that with races if if the whole, uh, you know, idea behind the system itself is to go and explore star systems and there's already evidence that life outside of humanity exists in these places. I mean, you you almost have to make it so that new races are uh, maybe not in uh, – in inevitability or in, yeah, yeah, not an inevitability, but something that is certainly a a pretty, pretty solid option, you know, for, for you guys to find yourself in a place where there is now a, a new race of people, uh, or beings, whatever you might want to call them, organisms, um, that have their own traits and then can be folded into the system. Uh, so that, I mean, that, it seems like the, just the the premise of the game itself leaves open a pretty big opportunity for them to keep generating class, uh, races over time and possibly even classes. Who knows? Yeah, no, I, I think without a doubt, they probably have some idea of what the next set of things will be, you know, classes and race wise. So let's talk a little bit about the classes. So some of them feel pretty straightforward to me. Um, they're not going to be too interesting or different from what we already know. So, um, announce has been one they, they call the operative. If you read the description, it feels very much like a rogue, somebody that's stealthy, sneaks around in the shadows, kind of makes things happen. That one seems pretty straightforward. Uh, they talk about the soldier. I mean, basically it sounds like these are meant to be your tanks. They're into heavy armor and heavy weapons. I think that's a, a kind of, a, Nothing too unusual there. Um, And then you kind of get into some lines where you're starting to make guesses. So one of the classes that they've talked about is mystic and that um, that they are magical through faith in a God. And and it seems um, kind of along the lines of a cleric in some way. Uh, That idea, if you were trying to to slot it comparatively to a fantasy game. uh, that'll be really interesting to see how they handle uh, the gods and how that works in the Starfinder universe. Yeah, I mean, so I, I've 
watched and read a couple of interviews with uh, with James Stutter, and one of the things that he has corrected on more than one person's it, during more than one interview is that it's not that the gods are gone, and I don't, I'm not sure where that particular line of thinking has come from. Um, but one of the things he does say is particularly when when it comes to magic, it's no longer going to be arcane versus divine. Uh, it's just going to be uh, that. I, I think he even went so far as to say that uh, it, it's not dependent upon for the mystic in in uh, in particular. It's not dependent upon. Uh, worship of a god so much as manipulation of mystical universal energies um they're they're kind of trying to strip away that that dichotomy of good magic bad magic arcane and and divine and it just being this this force that uh, mystics are able to tap into and channel oh yeah i mean definitely you you (laughs) you use the word force i mean it, it has very much the feel of like the star wars thumbprint on it in terms of how they they sort of deal with the, the divine. And I think that segues pretty nicely into another class that they have called the Solarian. Um, when you listen to them talk about it, what they've written about it, it's the idea that uh, the this class will be able to use forces, um, ebb and flow, and depending on what they do, it impacts what they can do later. I, I think gameplay-wise, this one intrigues me the most. Because it has this yin yang feel that um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. So if I make the decision that I'm going to go hard to the combat side, does that mean like I lose my ability to heal others? Or if I decide to go hard towards that healing buffer side, does it mean that my combat becomes less effective? I, I think that's a really interesting thing. And it talks about that they will somehow be able to harness energy into weapons and armor and that kind of thing. Yeah, I actually watched um, some of the developers play, uh, like playtest Starfinder. I think it took place sometime around the big Pathfinder Humble Bundle last year. Yep. Um, or maybe early this year, I can't remember. Uh, one of them played a Solarian. He actually played a dwarf Solarian. Um, and I was paying really particular attention to what he was doing because like you said uh or or i share your opinion in that the solarian uh class is the most intriguing in part because there's so much that we don't know about it i mean how does this balance work um like you're saying i mean it's going to be kind of fun to read exactly how that's going to work out um because it's going to play pretty big on strategy in a way that like so for instance in in D&D you know if you're playing a barbarian so you have you can rage 3 times a day so there's some resource management there but it's finite you have 3 things and when they're gone they're gone i wonder if the salarian's thing is going to be more like so you, at this point you used x amount of uh, the energy, if it's if it's a balance between energy and entropy, which I think is what they're going for. Right. You used energy this much. So, I mean, to balance that out, does that mean that you have to use some entropy-based abilities to kind of, I mean, do you have to seek a balance inside of your person? Mechanically, is that forced? Uh, what happens if you don't, if you're just stubborn about it and you're like, I'm just going to use energy? What happens to that balance in the in who you are or in the universe. I'm really curious to see uh, how that is, is written in and, uh, and explored, not just through 
that particular class, um, but in the universe itself, um, that balance. Yeah. Well, and that idea too, then, so like, and then what's the reset button, right? If you take a long rest, does it all just reset itself or is it a thing you constantly are having to manage and invest in? I, I, that, that dynamic is really intriguing to me as a player. I I really kind of want to see what that's going to look like. And, um, it makes me think that may be the first class I, I try to play. Yeah. Um, a couple others that I think classes that sort of make sense in this sort of fantasy science world. So the Technomancer, we kind of have heard them as being um, computer programmers, hackers that also you know use magic to to increase their capacity and abilities. I think that's an interesting idea. Um, we also, in the same lines, we kind of have t- heard about the mechanic, who sort of will be a creator. You know, be the kind of person that creates drones and has those kinds of things, almost in the way like a ranger has a familiar. Yeah. And also uh, have the ability to kind of have implanted AI, you know, to to make their skill set stronger. So I think that one's an interesting one. And then lastly, we've kind of heard about the envoy who it's hard to get a real feel for what they're doing with them other than it feels like that role will primarily be as a booster for the team almost in the way like a bard or a cleric is in a fantasy setting. Yeah. And that's, that's the feel I got from them uh, as well. And they actually did um, kind of a spotlight on um, an envoy uh, in the blogs. Um, And and they kind of, in the middle of kind of talking about the envoy, uh, they drew some comparisons that the rest of us nerds might be able to use to help us get a better feel for how this character is going to work. And so they they compared the envoy to people like Landell Calrissian and General Leia Organa and Ruby Rod, who is um, from the Fifth Element. It was a uh, Chris Tucker, you know, that really charismatic uh, radio disc jockey kind of guy, and also Inara from uh, Firefly. And so if we wrap our minds around how who some of these people are and how they operated, we might be able to uh, get a better feel for what envoy is going to do and how they're going to operate. Yeah, that's really I hadn't I hadn't seen that. And you kind of laying out those characters does sort of give you a better feel for how somebody might play one of those. Um the other thing, um in an interview, and I and I should have written down uh who this interview was with, but uh they were talking with uh James Sutter again and they were talking specifically about versatility when it comes to combinations of races and classes. And one of the things that um, Sutter brought up was the idea of what he called themes. And uh, he said that a theme is a little extra suite of abilities that you can tack onto any class. And then he was asked if if this was similar to backgrounds. And he said it's kind of a similar idea, um, but there are more dials you can tweak to make your character unique. So there are fewer classes in Starfinder right now than in Pathfinder. So they wanted to make it feel as versatile as far as combinations go. And I hadn't seen any of these themes released. He mentioned one called the ace pilot. Um, So anybody can be a pilot. Uh, You know, any character class race combo can be a pilot. But then you can take this ace pilot theme and it kind of turns your pilot abilities up a couple notches, uh, which makes, you know, your character unique amongst some of the other pilot characters that may be on your team or you know, out there in the, in the verse, so to speak. Uh, so I'm curious to see those release and, um, 
fiddle around with combinations, uh, you know, it sounds like you'll be able to really dial in somebody with a little bit more finesse or, or um, specificity. And uh, that, that I think will be pretty neat too, instead of just having like uh, a Goliath barbarian, uh, but you can have all the racial traits of that Goliath plus the uh, class feats and traits of the uh, barbarian plus some other stuff that might not be specific to either one and, uh, you know, create uh, something that truly could be a unique combination across all of Starfinder. So that might be pretty neat to watch. Yeah, and that makes me think that they probably are holding off on the theme stuff until they do a little bit more announcing about the ship combat. Like one of the things we've heard over and over again is one of the things that will make ship combat really unique is um, every every character will have some sort of role to play. Uh, otherwise, you would just have the pilot sitting around making all the decisions and everybody else in your party's bored just from a a game dynamic standpoint. So they've, they've sort of crafted a system where everybody in a crew will have some kind of role potentially. And I, I think that that makes me think some of those themes may be related and tied into those, right? You, you mentioned ace pilot. I could totally see a mechanic, a gunner, you know, some of those yeah, kinds of things as well. Could be neat. I'm, I'm super pumped to, to see this stuff. Finally, you know, at, at the latest August, we know. Um, so we can count down uh, at least till then. They good chance they might leak, um, some more stuff between now and then. Yeah, I definitely think between now and then we'll see more and more on their blog. Um, it feels almost like they've been in about a two-week rhythm where they drop a little bit more every couple weeks on the game. And um, and we know in May they have PaizoCon that I suspect uh, is going to have lots and lots of panels and things around Starfinder. We may hear more after that. So, All right, well, so... One of the things they've done, too, is they've released the iconic characters. Um, it's up on their blog. I think it's an interesting uh, approach that sort of lets you get a feel for the different characters. Um, you know, obviously, in Pathfinder, there are sort of some iconic characters whose stories get told over and over again. This feels like their first wave. And obviously, they've taken one of each race and one of each class to kind of match them and, and put together some characters. So I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. Um, so as you think about it, as somebody who's probably going to be playing uh, Starfinder pretty close to its release, what do you think your first character might be in terms of race and class, and why are you potentially going to make those picks? Yeah, I mean, it's tempting not to um, play as a Solarian right out of the gate, just because there's so much I want to know about them. Uh, you know, get and it. You know, some of that learning is going to come from just exposure, experience. You know, playing actually playing as a character instead of just creating a character in Hero Lab or something like that. Um, but I also think too. Uh, you know, I watched the like I said the live play and one of the uh, one of the players. Uh, I believe it was even the gentleman that you said that you had interviewed earlier. Um, he played a mechanic and he had his little drone and the drone had an awful lot of utility and there were some pretty neat things that you could do as far as like, I, I don't know if it's splitting your action, so to speak, but, um, you know, being working in combat as your character versus, uh, your drone and having separate actions and abilities depending on who moves and when and things like that. So I, I might actually, 
um, goof around with the mechanic. I also like the idea of implanted AI. I'm not even fully sure what that's going to mean, um, but I've played a little bit of Shadowrun, and that is something that you could do in there is kind of augment yourself. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that system. Uh, so I'm hoping that maybe the mechanic kind of brings a little bit of that, um, you know, that, that those elements that I really liked about the Shadowrun system uh, to, uh, you know, the Starfinder system. So pr- probably mechanic, because I know that somebody I'm going to play with is going to be a Solarian 100%. So, <laughs> so you're going to go the other way. I like it. Yeah. Balance out the party. What about you, man? Solarian or what? Uh, yeah, so so looking at it, I, I, I kind of wanted to do one thing that I'm familiar with and then one thing I'm not. So I, I think in terms of class, I'm going to go soldier. Every party needs a tank, somebody that's in it just to, to you know, break things and take damage. And uh, so I, I think it definitely feels like the soldier is that. But I, I wanted to combine it with the uh, Kasatha. That idea of like a four-armed warrior is really intriguing to me, you know. I'm sure there's some benefits to having those extra appendages and figure out how to how to work that. So that's kind of I think what I'm leaning towards right now. If I was going to make a character, yeah, that does sound pretty uh, pretty awesome, pretty pretty fantastic. I mean, seeing a heavily armed and armored four armed creature rushing into melee seems pretty crazy. Well, and it kind of has a feel of um, like the John Carter of Mars series, you know, in the books and the movie that lots of people don't like. Um, I think it's got a, I don't know. It just, it has an appeal to me that I, I definitely sort of been liking. So I think that that's a, I know too, that, um, in their, in their profile on the Vesk, uh, that the Vesk is really well suited to the soldier. I mean, especially, I mean, it's it built into their culture according to, uh, their, their profile on the blog. I'd be curious to see somebody take a Vesk and throw them at, uh, you know, it, pretty much any of the other classes, you know, take them and try to make them work as a mystic, for example, or even an envoy. I mean, that would be kind of crazy and it probably wouldn't make any sense. Um, but it would be kind of neat to see somebody try to make the Vesk fit into, you know, one of the classes that isn't, uh, so, so fitting in its culture, you know, kind of make them an outlier or even an outcast, um, so I'd be curious to see what, what people do with Vesks and, and the different combinations that come from uh, playing around with that race as well. Yeah. So when you look at the iconic characters, it, it is really interesting. They sort of slot up different people with different you know races and classes. But it, it does sort of make the rebel and me right away want to break the, the thing. So yeah. <laughs> the iconic character is a Vesk soldier. And like I, I right away was like, yep, not going to do that. Yeah. So, uh, I, I think it's a, it'll be interesting to see how how people play that out. So like, like we said, Starfinder, it comes out in August. It'll be released at Gen Con. Um, if you go on Amazon now, there's lots of stuff you can go ahead and pre-order uh, from the 500 page plus rule book to um, the first adventure path. It'll drop right away. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how quickly it uh, gets embraced. I mean, Paizo obviously with Pathfinders built a machine and now they're going to take um, all the things they've learned through that process and apply it immediately to Starfinder. And um, obviously, we hope it really catches and takes off. I, I'm, I know I'm looking forward to playing through that first adventure path. Oh yes, or, or GMing my way through it. Um, I think it's going to be a, a great opportunity uh, for something new and something different for sure. Definitely. 
All right. Well, hey, thanks for joining me talking about races and classes. Um, I, I think if you like we've said, if you want to learn more about those parts, uh, Paizo runs an excellent blog, uh, paizo.com slash blog. And uh, they, like I said, pretty steadily been releasing information, uh, especially I think in May, we'll see lots of stuff come out because I the, for the first time that we know of that they're going to let some people play play the game at the convention. Uh, and Whereas they've done a lot of the testing, I think, in-house thus far. So, But uh, as we come to a close, um, uh, Atkins, you write for the site, uh, nerdsonearth.com, all the time. You uh, share lots of different thoughts. Can you um, can you share with uh, the audience, what's the one thing right now that you're kind of nerding out on? Well, I have uh, – I'm an, uh, a bibliophile. I love reading. I love collecting books. Um, however, I'm also now a homeowner. So my hands are tied up frequently, um, you know, fixing and renovating. So one of the things that I thought I would never, ever do that I've suddenly started doing is uh, listening to a lot of audiobooks. It still pains me inside in a deep, dark place <laughs> that I'm not owning, you know, physical copies of these books that I'm enjoying as I, as I work. But uh, the one that I'm listening to right now is, um, and I know I'm way behind on some of this stuff, but I'm listening to James S.A. Corey's Leviathan Wakes. Uh, which has been a really neat. Uh, I also just bought the uh, the Timothy Zahn Thrawn book, like the his kind of like solo look at the character that just released in April, and I cannot wait to get to that. Um, the Thrawn trilogy, also by Zahn, was fantastic. Um, and if if his solo book, if a focus a book that focuses on the character is half as good as that series was, I'm going to be all about it. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to in, in the next couple of days is getting around to wrapping up Leviathan Wakes and, and jumping back into uh, the Star Wars universe and, and Thrawn, who I thought was uh, a super intriguing and well done uh, villain. Uh, super scary. If you've not read the Thrawn trilogy, get on it. You're, you're way behind. Yeah, definitely. The trilogy kind of came out in the uh, early 90s, I believe. And um, it is interesting that they are having the same writer revisit that character kind of with the new ownership now that Disney, you know, kind of has all the Star Wars rights and um, had done some work to kind of wipe out some of that backstory. So I think it's really interesting that they're letting that uh, kind of be retold by the original author. So, yeah, the reviews on it have so far have been really good. Yeah, when they when when Thrawn was suddenly not canon anymore, I wept. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, a lot of people thought that was one of the the stronger stories that it hadn't been on any kind of screen yet. So, well, again, man, thanks so much. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to playing some Starfinder with you as soon as it drops. Yep. Yeah, we should, uh, we should be able to get our hands on it at, um, game hole con. You think? Oh yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll have it before then. It'll just be a matter of a, do we wait until then to play or not? Yeah, that's true. All right, man. Thanks. Yes, sir. You've been listening to The Drift, a Starfinder podcast presented by Nerds on Earth. Our theme music is a product of our amazing audio engineer, Andrew Danielson. You can learn more about his work at danielsonsound.com. You can follow us at at outinthedrift on Twitter. And you can email us at thedrift at nerdsonearth.com. We'd love to hear your ideas for future episodes as we prepare for the Starfinder release in August.